Blog Talk Radio. So 
I'm sure that this uh, will interest most of you, if not all of you, who are familiar with uh, the aspect of the games that people play. Actually, there's a book titled Games People Play by Dr. Byrne, and I will be reviewing that book sometime in the near future. So uh, I, I must thank you all for visiting us on uh, in the chat room and on air, and I, I acknowledge my sisters on the line, and I send her love and blessings. And, um, and those of you in the chat room, peace, love, and abundant blessings to you as well. If you have any thoughts that you'd like to have shared on the show live and on air, please feel free to uh, uh, indicate that in the, in the chat room, and I'll definitely share that with the listening audience. And uh, if you would like to speak with us personally, myself and others that are listening, uh, on the air, please dial the, well, push the number one button, and of course the call-in number is 347-215-7331. So, without any further ado, I'm going to start with the uh, section titled Relationships. And again, for those of you who are not aware, who might be tuning in for the first time, I I picked these books, certain books such as Living in the Light, to share with those who uh, do not have a library in their area in which they live throughout the world, who don't have access to bookstores, who cannot afford to purchase books, um, those who cannot read, uh, and there's a number of uh, disabilities that one might have in their life which does not avail them to having books such as Living in the Light in their, um, in their possession. So I just wanted to reiterate uh, to those who are listening for the first time the reason why I do choose certain books such as this. And, of course, the title of the show is Grassroots Holistic Health Radio. Uh, so we're dealing with health of mind, spirit, and body. And, of course, the books pertain to spirit and mind. And uh, indirectly the body, because if your mind and spirit is healthy, then the body um, has more of a chance of maintaining its health as well. Of course, if we are feeding it with proper nutrition and exercise and uh, breathing exercise and practicing uh, exercises such as yoga, uh, my wife and I, every Sunday morning we go out to the park and we walk and, and do a jog. I'm a runner, but uh, you know, I'm really coaching her right now in terms of running and uh, walking, rather, and running. And uh, I just encourage everyone, every day, if you can, to at least walk for in half an hour. It does wonders for uh, your spirit, for your emotion, as needless to say, for your body. So, yes, relationships. Uh, Shakti goes on to share with us that relationships in the old world have a external focus. In other words, she's saying that we try to make ourselves whole and happy by getting something from outside of ourselves. And inevitably, this expectation results in disappointment, resentment, and frustration. And either of these feelings uh, build up constantly and cause continual strife, and they are suppressed at times and lead to emotional numbness. But still, we cling to relationships out of emotional insecurity or go from one relationship to another searching for that missing piece that we haven't yet found. And we've been in this tragic predicament for at least a few thousand years, and now we seem to be approaching a crisis point where relationships and families, as we've known them, seem to be falling apart at a rapid rate. And many people are panicking about this, and some try to reestablish the old traditions and value systems in order to cling to a feeling of order and stability in their lives. And I I just must take note of what she says, uh, at least for a few thousand years, in terms of this predicament. And myself, as an African-American man, I'm I'm very cognizant and aware of the fact that when we read uh, books such as this by an author such as Shakti Gowan, she's coming from an Eastern perspective in terms of her spirituality and her philosophy, but, however, she is of European descent, and she's relating to the European experience, as it were, in terms of uh, from the history, uh, her story, uh, as opposed to our story. We've been in this country, and she, she states early in the book, uh, acknowledging the fact that uh, we as African Americans, she says that 
generally, generally less technically developed societies approach life with a deep awareness of and a respect for the intuitive element of existence. And she goes on to say that the, uh, the, the two examples that are relevant to most Americans are the Native American and African cultures. And both of these groups were devastated by their contact with the Western culture. Uh, indeed, uh, African Americans, those of African descent who live in this country, uh, we go back some 400 years. And she states that a deep respect and appreciation for Native Americans has begun to surface in our awareness in recent years. And the African culture, which was forcibly brought to this continent, has probably done more than any other culture to keep the intuitive power alive in our country through its strong spirit. And that says a lot. Uh, Shakti Gowan is one of the uh, men and women of European descent who uh, is very much aware. They don't have it twisted, as it were. Uh, they're not confused about the significance of the contribution of uh, those of us who are Native Americans uh, and uh, African Americans are those of us of African descent. So our relationships uh, and the problems that we have with our relationships are n not particularly uh, germane to the, the uh, uh, I would say, a status quo in terms of from a sociological and uh, uh, anthropological perspective. Uh, we had intact various uh, traditions in Africa, uh, and indeed the Native American, uh, Native American here in this country, uh, the original inhabitants of, the, of North America, they had a, a specific way of relating to one another with regard to relationships, with regard to family, with regard to uh, community. So we must always bear in mind uh, that this uh, show is, is being hosted by uh, a, a person, myself, who is of African descent, and uh, my wife as well is of African descent. So we try to be fair and not, and not subjective, but objective in what we share on the show, but we try to keep it real also uh, in terms of uh, understanding that there's not just one broad stroke that can be made regarding um, the dynamics of interpersonal and personal uh, dynamics of how we live and how we perceive each other and ourselves. So with me, not to digress anymore, um, Shakti goes on to say that it's useless to try to go backward. And however, because our consciousness has already evolved beyond the level where we are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to live the way that we should in terms of uh, having healthy relationships, in the past, most people were willing to hang on to an essentially dead relationship for an entire lifetime because it gave them physical and emotional stability. But now, more and more of us are realizing that it is possible to have deeper intimacy and ongoing aliveness and passion and, and, and relationships that we have. And we're willing to let go of old forms to search for these ideals but we don't know where to find them, and most of us are still looking outside ourselves. Sure, that if we just find that right man or woman to be with, that we'll be blissfully happy forever after. Or thinking that if only our kids or our parents would have uh, behaved the right way, then we'd be fine. And we've confused and, and become frustrated. Our relationships seem to be in chaos, and we don't have the old traditions to lean on or anything new to take their place. Yet, we can't go back. We must move forward into the unknown to create a whole new level of relationships. But relationships are not outside. They are inside of us. This is the simple truth, and we must recognize and accept this. Our true relationship is our relationship with myself. All others are simply mirrors of it. As I learn to love myself, I automatically receive the love and appreciation from others that I desire. And if I am committed to myself and to the truth, I will attract others with equal commitment. My willingness to be intimate with my own deep feelings creates the space for intimacy with another. 
and enjoying my own company allows me to have fun with whomever I'm with and feeling the aliveness and power of the universe flowing through the, me creates a life of passionate feeling and fulfillment that I share with anyone and anyone whom I'm involved. So she goes on to state that because many of us have never really learned how to take care of ourselves, our relationships have been based on trying to get someone else to take care of us. As babies, we're very aware and intuitive. From the time we are born, we perceive our parents' emotional pain and neediness, and we immediately begin to develop the habit of trying to please them and fulfill their needs so that they will continue to take care of us. And later on, our relationships continue along the same lines. There is a, an unconscious telepathic agreement. I'll try to do what you want me to do and be the person you want me to be if you will be there for me, give me what I need, and not leave me. And she goes on to say that this system doesn't work very well. Other people are seldom able to fulfill our needs consistently and successfully, so we get disappointed and frustrated. Then we either try to change the other person to better suit our needs, which never works, or we resign ourselves to accept less than we, what we really want. And furthermore, when we are trying to give other people what they want, we almost invariably do things we don't really want to do and end up resenting them, either consciously or unconsciously. And then at this point, we may realize that it doesn't work to try to take care of ourselves by taking care of others. I'm the only one who can actually take care of me, so I might as well do it directly and allow others to do the same for themselves. So what does it mean to take care of yourself? So Shakti says, for me, it, it means trusting and following my intuition. It means taking time to listen to all of my feelings, including the feelings of the child within me that is sometimes hurt or scared, and responding with caring, love, and appropriate action. It means putting my inner needs first and trusting that I do this, and then everyone else's needs will take, be, be, get taken care of, and everything that needs to be done will get handled. For example, she states, if I'm feeling sad, I might crawl into the bed and cry, taking time to be very loving and nourishing to myself. Or I might find someone caring to talk to until some of the feelings are released and I feel lighter. If, I'm, if I've been working too hard, I'm learning to put the work aside, no matter how important it seems to be, and take some time to play and take a hot bath and read a novel. If someone I love wants something from me that I don't want to give, I'm learning to say no and trust that he or she will actually be better off than if I did it when I didn't want to. And this way, when I say yes, I really mean it. And there is a very important point I want to make here. It concerns something that I was confused about for a long time and finally understood taking care of myself does not mean doing it all alone. Creating a good relationship with myself is not done in a vacuum. Without relationship with other people, otherwise we could all become hermits for a few years until we had the perfect relationship with ourselves and then just emerge and suddenly have perfect relationships with others. And of course, it is important that we are able to be alone and often people do withdraw from outside relationships until they feel Feeling really comfortable with themselves. And sooner or later, though, you need to use the mirrors. You need to build and strengthen your relationships with yourself and the world of form through interaction with other people. And the difference is on the focus. In the old world of relationships, the focus was on the other person and on the relationship itself. You communicated with the purpose of trying to get the other person to understand you and give you more of what you needed. And in the new world, relationships, the focus is on building your relationship with yourself and the universe. You communicate to keep your channel clear and to give yourself more of what you need. 
The words may even be the same, but the energy is different, and so is the result. For example, suppose I'm feeling lonely and want my lover to spend the evening with me, although I know that he has other plans. Previously, I would probably have been afraid to ask for what I wanted directly, and this is Shakti on speaking. She goes on to say that I probably would have stayed home alone and focused on learning to enjoy being alone. Later, when I talked to him, she says, I would feel some resentment, though I wouldn't admit it, either to myself or to him. But nevertheless, he would feel this resentment and become guilty and resentful towards me. And none of this would come out in the open until later when we were having an argument. And I might say, well, you didn't take care of my feelings anyway. You never want to be with me. And at this point, I'm communicating to him telepathically my underlying feeling that he is responsible for my happiness. Now, Shakti Gowan says, hopefully, I will be more direct from the beginning. I'd say, I know you have other plans, but I feel lonely right now, and I really want you to spend the evening with me. I'm taking the responsibility to ask for what I want, and in doing so, I'm actually taking care of myself, even though I'm asking for something from him. The key here is that my focus is really on myself, and this is uh, what I'm telling and feeling, and this is what I want. I have to be willing to make myself very vulnerable to do this, but I have found that it is the willingness to say what I feel and want that makes me feel whole. And in a sense, I'm already feeling more fulfilled when I'm willing to back myself up. So everything about their relationship is in the open. And he's free to respond honestly, and if he agrees to his uh, her request, then that's icing on the cake. And if he doesn't, I may feel sad or hurt. I'll communicate my feelings, and again, I'm, going to, I'm doing it for my own sake to keep myself clear and then let go. I'll use this evening as a time that he's away to go deeper within myself and my con- connection with the universe. So uh, that says a lot in terms of us being able to be our own best friend, to be able to spend quality time with ourselves before expecting your significant other to be able to spend quality time with you. So uh, I'm going to just move on in terms of dealing with uh, what she states, she shares with us about commitment and intimacy. She states that when she discusses the idea of trusting and following our energy, people often ask where the concept of commitment fits into the picture because we've been so focused on the externals, and most of us have attempted to make a commitment to an external relationship. And what we're really committed to is a certain set of rules. And I must say again, as an African-American man, a man of African descent, I'm very much aware of the fact that uh, relationships in our community is based on uh, copying and mimicking the uh, popular culture, the pop culture, as it were. Uh, We know the entertainment community, that people get married, and then within weeks and months, they're getting divorced, if not uh, separated. So this says something about intimacy and uh, commitment. Uh, and as I was reading earlier, uh, quoting Shakti Gowan, we tend to externalize relationships, dealing with the external attraction. And, of course, you know that that doesn't last forever. We all grow. Uh, if not old, we all age. And uh, the attractiveness that we were initially attracted to by that other person fades inevitably. And what do you do then? So many people say, oh, he's not as handsome as he used to be. Uh, he doesn't make as much money as it used to be. You know, he doesn't have the car, the home, the house, and uh, he doesn't have the power, as it were. He says she's not as attractive as she used to be. You know, she doesn't have the allure. She doesn't have the uh, allure that other men uh, would wish that they were with her, and I'm with her now. So they decide, oh, well, this relationship doesn't have what it used to have, and I need to get out of this. And, of course... That's, uh, in many cases, a disaster. Uh, Why is it a disaster? Because of the fact that, indeed, now we've short-circuit the journey. We've short-circuit the reason why the universe brought us together. Uh, There's an expression of uh, 
soulmates. I'm sure that most of us are familiar with that expression. And there's something to say about that. It doesn't necessarily mean that we meet each other and we're destined to meet one another and it was arranged, you know. At times that is the case, especially if we embrace the concept of reincarnation. However, that soulmate aspect does not necessarily have to happen immediately. One doesn't have to be aware of it immediately, but as the relationship uh, nurtures and as it uh, grows, then the two parties can recognize, yes, we are soulmates because we are living with each other in such a journey that's at ease as opposed to being at odds. And that, that takes work. And, of course, many of us in our society, especially the young uh, adults in our community, the children in our community, have been conditioned for instantaneous, for instant uh, gratification. And uh, that's not going to last, you know, because we are going through transformation constantly each moment, each second, each minute, each hour, each day, each month, each year, going through a mode of transformation. So I'm going to take a break right now. It seems like we're at the half-hour mark. And, uh, again, I want to thank all of you in the guest room for listening in. And those of you who have called in, I thank you for sharing your uh, your, your Sunday with us, Sunday evening with us, and of course, if you would like to share any thoughts online, uh, please, those on the phone, press the number one button, and uh, I will be, uh, definitely uh, tune you in, and those of you in the chat room, if you have any comments and thoughts, please feel free to share. Be back with you in a moment. Tahuti Wesley Gray, and again, I thank you for tuning in this evening. Um, I have a website that uh, URL is drumsofchange.com, and at that site you'll be able to purchase drums. Uh, it is my desire that every uh, family, especially those of African descent, will have a drum in the household, um, and that it can be a drum that can be a conversation piece as well as being played upon by a designated drummer. And we'd like to share amongst us the rich history of our motherland of Africa uh, and the traditions. My intent is for us to go back to our roots, to go back to our African rituals, so that indeed we can add to the holistic and healthy aspect and healing aspect of our family and our community. I also uh, sell a health drink called Frida Vida and another drink which is a liquid vitamin called ProImage. And uh, please feel free to go to my website, uh, and that can be accessed by going on my uh, front page of my blog talk radio, and it's Trifuda Vita, and there's a number, uh, a uh, membership number that you would have to log into, and I'm sure that you will find it a pleasant experience if you decide to purchase those health items. And, of course, uh, any books that I uh, share with you, such as this book I'm reviewing, titled Living in the Light by Shakti Gowan, that can be purchased online at my bookstore at drumsofchange.com. So uh, we were talking about commitment and intimacy, and I want to uh, move from there because we will go back in that area, uh, dealing with uh, monogamous relationships and non-monogamous relationships, uh, polygamous relationships and the aspect of romance, and um, having love affairs. But let me just back up for a moment and talk about uh, what Shakti was very interesting. She talks about the victim and rescuer phenomenon within relationships. And she goes on to state that victim consciousness is the belief that we are helpless, that the world, people, and the economy do things to us 
and we have no choice but to accept what is dished out to us. It's the feeling that we can be uh, violated from the outside without our approval. And as victims, people enlist rescuers to save them. And rescuers do not know how to take care of themselves, so they focus on helping others, unconsciously trying to fulfill their own needs in an indirect way. They need victims to take care of. And a rescuer believes that others are weak or powerless and need his or her help. And she goes on to state that I believe that many people are dealing with both sides of this process. Most victims spend time and energy trying to rescue others instead of learning to take care of themselves. And you can't be a rescuer, though, unless you believe in and have a victim inside of you. It may appear, however, that some people are strictly rescuers or victims. And on the extreme side, they are people who are always in a mess and desperately need the help, the help of others, or they are martyrs whose meaning in life depends on saving others. And usually we bounce back and forth between these roles in less extreme ways. We all see the gain, or should I say it, we all see the pain in the world. It's everywhere. It all of us, it, it's, it's something that we all experience around us, is in the newspapers and on TV, and the transformation of this pain begins with denying nothing. See it, feel it, and then know that the pain is not separate from ourselves. We could not be seeing starvation, murder, and disease unless there was a part of us that believed in and supported this process. And that goes into a very interesting area that, uh, in terms of the concept of reincarnation, that we would not be on this planet Earth at this point in time if indeed uh, we all did, did not have, to some degree, some mutual lesson to learn, uh, some mutual experience and journey to go through, so that indeed the next incarnation can be one that uh, does not evolve what we've had to go through in this incarnation. So uh, I do embrace this concept as well as my wife, and uh, it seems, you know, that there's some people who may have doubt about this, but spirit is real, energy is real, energy cannot be destroyed, and we are the essence of spiritual energy in a human form, in the form of a body. And uh, we'll talk about that again later on uh, next week, uh, if not even later on in the show, we still got it half an hour. But I just wanted to not digress any further from the uh, uh, the, the point that Shakti Gowan was sharing with us regarding rescuer and victim. So she goes on to state that to transform the rescuing, we need to take responsibility for our own pain and, and get in touch with the power of the universe within us to help and uh, with our own healing. And then when you see someone in pain or feeling helpless, Know that the pain and helplessness is in you, too. You would not be drawn to help someone unless you identified with and felt a similar helplessness. Whether you're a victim or a rescuer, the energy is stuck. The energy stays stuck as long as people are focusing on others as the problem or the solution. To move the energy and enlist the universe's health, and in this case to enlist most, the most high, to enlist God's help, whatever you give that name to the most, to that universe, to the omnipresent, both rescuers and victims need to go inside themselves and ask for guidance. Rescuers do not see how much they need help. They are so busy helping others, they cannot see their own pain. And when they start to feel their own feelings, they cover them up by finding someone else to take care of. Rescuing is generally a deep-seated problem from childhood. And in her own uh, case, Shanti states, I know I began taking care of others at a, uh, at a very early age. My parents were divorced when I was a baby, and very early I felt the need to behave as a mature adult. I took on the responsibility. But in this process, I neglected my own feelings. I have been... An extreme rescuer, she states. 
I've wanted to save the world. I've always uh, was trying to help people. I did workshops because I wanted people to hear the great knowledge I had to offer them. And I thought it was so important that people needed this and needed me. And in personal relationships, I've done the same thing. I've attracted many lovers and friends who seemingly needed my help. And as I've become more conscious, I've begun to see that in rescuing people, I've been conveying to them telepathically, I don't trust you, and I don't think you're in charge of your life. I think that you're some being, unfortunate being, who doesn't know as much as I do, and I think you need help, unquote. So the person that you're rescuing picks this up telepathically, and so you're undermining their power instead of helping them. And more importantly, you're not taking care of yourself, which is the only thing that will move energy and transform the situation. You need to admit that you habitually rescue because you fear that others will abandon you. That fear is, if I don't take care of them and don't take care of others' needs, they'll leave me and I'll be alone. And if you start to go inside to do your own healing, you'll begin to see that someone there is there for you, and that person and that someone is yourself. Amazingly enough, when you support yourself emotionally, others mirror this by giving you lots of love and support. So I I go back to think this personally in my own experience. I know that uh, when I used to uh, drink alcohol and and, uh, smoke marijuana and and indulge in in the nightlife, I would be around people who uh, were doing the same and there was this dynamic of rescuer victim in terms of the relationships. And it didn't really come to fore as uh, years later when I stopped uh, uh, abusing and and uh, dealing with cleansing myself. And as a matter of fact, I got a job, uh, and I kept that for about a little over seven months or so as a therapist counselor for mentally ill homeless who was self-medicating with uh, drugs and alcohol. And, uh, of course, alcohol is a drug also. I don't know why we always say drugs and alcohol. But uh, um, it it was a a very interesting revelation for me, as I know I sat in as a, uh, a, through training in the back room of a, it might have been an AA or an NA uh, meeting. And, of course, they start off with, hello, my name is John, and I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug abuser and so forth. And I thought back then that the fact that I was only drinking beer at the time and maybe occasionally just wine, that um, I was okay. But I used to do this alone at times. I would go home from work and I would uh, get a, a, a two-liter bottle of beer and drink it by myself, reading a book or looking at TV, and I thought that was a way of, of my relaxing. But I began to realize that, um, especially after buying Living in the Light, because I had the book back then, that... Um, I had a problem in terms of the victim and rescuer syndrome because uh, during that training, I felt as if I was the rescuer. I was helping those uh, mentally ill, homeless substance abusers who were self-medicating to uh, become healthy. And, of course, I was living a quasi-unhealthy lifestyle. And that was the beginning of me healing, truly healing, and being able to start becoming my best friend, to love myself as much as I could. And with that, I was able to, with uh, authenticity, uh, with uh, integrity, to be able to attempt to uh, give those in my um, uh, charge uh, proper therapy and counseling to the best of my ability with this seven months of training. So I share that to say that, indeed, you know, I'm not just reading these books that I choose to share. But uh, they resonate with me for a particular reason. In this case, as I just shared with you, you can see why. Um, and I hope that those of you who are listening now and who listen in the archives, uh, that you will find that uh, what I've shared with you to be a benefit and to get you thinking in terms of how you can uh, resolve certain conflicts that you're going through in terms of relationships, in terms of how you relate to others 
if not from being a victim or from being a rescuer. Um, and we all have that dynamic within us, especially those of us who have uh, large families. It can be with a you know a single child with uh, uh, father and mother, aunts and uncles and cousins and so forth. But indeed, that dynamic falls into play when you have siblings, and um, and then of course when you have many friends. One has to be very careful of how one plays that particular game, that particular social game, and that dynamic. So uh, I am going to get back now with the book. Uh, uh, where was I? Uh, okay. So she goes on to state that the only way to truly help others is to do exactly what you really want to do. If you're saying that, oh, I should do something about this, that's not the universe. It's your shoulds and your guilt or it may be your mental computer trying to figure out a rational solution. And if you trust your gut feeling and do only what you feel at the moment by moment, then the universe is free to move through you in a spontaneous and unpredictable way. And I go on to say the universe, of course, we're talking about those of us who embrace the concept of spiritual guides, angels, um, that's something that is, you know, they're agents of the Most High. Oh, indeed, uh, God can move you through you directly. So there are many of us from uh, different orientations, different religions, as it were, uh, or spiritual orientations who feel that you need an intermediary in order for you to connect with the Most High, in order to, to have that connection with the universe. But no, uh, you can have that direct connection. It's just a matter of being in tune with yourself. And how do you do that? By proper breathing, proper eating, proper meditation and prayer and exercise so that indeed uh, your body, your brain, and of course then from there your, your, uh, your soul can have that uh, connection and there can be this, this uninhibited flow of energy and thought uh, that assist you in your journey and assisting you in whatever problems that you may have. And all the knowledge is this an old saying that all the knowledge of the universe is, resides within us. It just has to be released through the above things that I mentioned. Uh, that's one of the processes. So uh, she goes on to say, for example, I might seem harsh or cruel to you not to help a friend who wants something from you. Yet, if you find yourself reluctant to give in the situation and you know that you're normally a giving person, you must trust that feeling and take the risk to say no to your friend or to your loved one. Chances are that in this situation you might have been supporting some form of powerlessness in this person by giving to him. But by trusting your gut feeling and not helping, you will actually support your friend in finding more of his own power, his or her own power. And in another case, she states that it might feel totally wonderful for you to give to someone, and you should trust that feeling and give freely. And when the moment, or should I say, the giving comes from your heart and doesn't require sacrifice on your part, you know that it is the universe coming through your channel. The universe doesn't follow our good ideas about the way things are supposed to be in our careful plans and rescue operation. It guides us in ways that allow the light to shine. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I, I must uh, just say that I, I, I'm taken back by, well, I, I come from the school of thought that sometimes it's better to give. Uh, what more of a gift can you give to someone than something that you find very dear and, and, and you cherish? You know, it is said that those are the gifts that are really much appreciated because that person who receives it uh, really uh, knows that you gave them something that you cherish. Uh, and that happens a lot of times with heirlooms. You know, the daughter, uh, the granddaughter who's with the grandmother and knows that the grandmother has cherished this ring or this, this, this uh, chalice around her neck. And through conversation, 
Uh, of course, the grandmother knows that, you know, uh, she's getting older and her days are, are coming close to an end in terms of this particular incarnation. And she might say, here, loved one, take this ring, you know, take this chalice. And, of course, uh, the granddaughter or the grandson with the grandfather or mother, this may be, may be drawn to tears because they know that this gift is so precious because of the fact that the uh, grandparent uh, gave something that it really cherishes. And the same thing with friends. I, I know that my wife has done that. Uh, someone has seen something on her ear, an earring, or uh, some object that she may have, and her friends have done it to her, and they would say, oh, you like this? Well, take it. It's yours. And I've done that on occasion, not as much as my wife, I don't think. But uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my wife just walked into the studio. How are you doing, honey? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm fantastic. It's good to have you with us. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I I <laughs> like the book that you're teaching from tonight. But I, I'm, I've been a fan of Shakti Gawain for years. Oh, yes, yes. yes. I was mentioning earlier in, in, uh, in the show that, that you and I have spoken about her time to time. And it's just really uh, an exciting moment for me when I decided that I was going to review the book. Well, I'm glad that you did. I, She's one of my first uh, metaphysical ah, yes. teachers who doesn't know me personally, right. but I've uh-huh. been a fan of hers for years. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we have many uh, teachers, don't we? Who don't know us. Who don't us. know us. Absolutely. They're our, our personal gurus, but they've never connected with us. But, of course, we know in the metaphysical world, one doesn't have to be uh, physically connected with another soul right? Right. for there to be an exchange. That's right. You know, uh, indeed, uh, the dynamics of this show, as I'm talking through a phone and communicating through this computer, the PC, with a monitor, uh, people will be able to listen to this show years from now, hopefully, and, and still be as if, uh, I'm speaking to them live right now in terms of the energy that's being uh, transferred and, and indeed the knowledge that's being transferred. So uh, we have about another uh, 12 minutes to go with the show. And again, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't thank all of you for tuning in uh, this uh, Sunday evening and sharing your precious moments with us before those of you who start working again tomorrow, uh, being Monday, and, of course, uh, who would prefer to uh, uh, rest. And, and, of, and uh, Well, I just thank you so much for sharing your time. And, of course, please, please spread the word with your friends and, and associates about uh, our show and, uh, and, and tell them that they can access any shows that you may have found to be exciting and, and, and uh, enjoyable and educational, that they can go to the archival a portion of uh, Blog Talk Radio and access my show, Grassroots Holistic Health. So, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, the transformation of consciousness, and I think I left off, though, here I am, uh, where Shakti was talking about uh, giving a friend what he or she wants uh, and, and having them being empowered by refusing to give if, if the universe tells you that you should not give to them. And, of course, I guess we go through that with, with our children, uh, and with our loved ones, with our siblings, with the significant other in our life. Sometimes it's hard to say no. It's hard to say, no, I will not acquiesce to your desire, uh, whether it be money or whatever form that, that need may be. But, uh, indeed, by doing this, we can we tend to empower them. And, of course, as parents, we know that when we do that with our children because we're able to uh, observe their emotions uh, a lot more than any other uh, person in our lives because we gave birth to them. So we've seen them grow, go through the growth process. We've seen their personalities develop. We've seen their spirit unfold right before us. So those things become very obvious and very evident. Uh, so... Transforming the victim consciousness. Shakti goes on to state that people stop being victims when there's no one left to rescue them, or when blaming others for their life becomes so painful 
that they are willing to change. And this usually happens simultaneously. Others get tired of rescuing you at the same time that you're becoming tired of being a victim. <laughs> and uh, in transforming the victim consciousness, people change a lifetime of beliefs. We're told from birth that what matters is on the outside. So we look for the healing, the power, the love, the wealth to come from there, from the outside. And then when it doesn't, we start blaming. And to look inside instead is to go against everything that we've learned. We're discarding a long-standing habit of blame and looking to the universe for enlightenment at this point. So if you feel victimized, the key is to go inside immediately and ask the universe, show me what I need to heal and what I, how can I heal this. Help me to know that you are my source of power. And then stay open to the answers coming through. They may come in different ways, a message from within, a phone call, an offering to help from someone. And when I say go within for the answers, this does not include or exclude receiving help from the outside. It only means that making sure that you realize the power of the universe is within you and you can attract what you need. Know that you are completely responsible for the situation that you're in and turn to God. Turn to the universe. Turn to the Most High within you before seeking help on the outside. So, by doing this, you're honoring your power. Your inner female will feel this and respond by channeling more wisdom and power through you. The main healing in this process occurs when people refuse to see themselves and others as helpless, even events that seem accidental are drawn in by people to heal themselves of their old beliefs and patterns. When people in my workshops, this is Shakti stating, find themselves in seemingly impossible or hopeless situations, she encourages them to discover their power in the situation, to observe the choices they they have made and how they may have needed to create the situation to learn more about themselves. In knowing how to be gentle with ourselves, we have chosen some rough lessons. Our inner voices want to be hard heard, and if we are constantly ignoring them, we'll become increasingly uncomfortable. And accidents decrease the accidents, I'm sorry, and disease and pain can be avoided if we're willing to hear ourselves and act on our inner guidance. So she says to consider one of the, uh, the stories that she, she states about a woman in one of her workshops that shared that she'd been awoken from her sleep and raped. At first, it was impossible for her to see her power in this situation or see how she could have chosen such a painful, frightening way to heal herself. And to remove some of her, feel, her fear, she felt was important for her to see why she might have created the situation. And she began to look deeply in, in the cause of what happened to her. And as a result of that, along with seeing the external and bringing her beliefs to consciousness, she could now heal herself. There was no longer any control of her by this unconscious level of re recognizing what happened to her. Another client had been working on, uh, as a therapist in a local hospital drug and, and alcohol unit. Hmm, I didn't know this was going to be read because um, I was just sharing with you earlier, the listening audience, about my experience being trained as a counselor therapist for substance abuse, homeless substance abusers who were self-medicating. Uh, and she began to feel drained but felt that there was no way for her to take time off from work without jeopardizing her job. And she also had just lost herself in, in helping others and could not see how to help herself. She began showing up at work, rescuing others while neglecting the inner feelings that were screaming for her attention. And she grew more tired and started resenting her clients and was generally angry. And her car broke down three times in three months and further diminishing her hope of leaving her job as car repair expenses mountain, she saw, she saw no way out. So needless to say, I've worked in environments and I have associates and friends who've worked in environments where they were 
who are caretakers and serving people as therapists, as counselors. And there's this, uh, it's a 2020, uh, should I say, catch-20 situation. They're between a rock and a hard place where uh, they're being challenged by the job by the fact that, indeed, by self-medicating themselves, by drinking and socializing and maybe self-medicating by eating uh, food uh, excessively and gaining weight and and, uh, just being unbalanced, that they're not able to actually function effectively. And uh, they fall into the pattern of, if not being a rescuer, they become the victim. And uh, they become unbalanced emotionally. They start hating the clients or disliking the clients. They start disliking their coworkers, start disliking the supervisors, the superiors that they work under. And this is just a catch-22. And if you're going through this process for, say, 5, 10, 20 years, you know, some, some of us go through this process for the whole uh, experience of our working uh, journey in life. And, of course, when you retire, what, is, what state are you in? You're sick. You're diseased. You're in a diseased state. So now that hard-working money that you've, you've saved and uh, worked for and the retirement money, that money now is being spent for you to get healed, for you to get well. And, of course, if you're caught up in the westernized medicine um, uh, drama, uh, the pharmaceutical uh, game, and uh, that whole game is about not getting you well, but just exacerbating your condition so you become sicker. And, of course, the cycle becomes unending, and you cannot enjoy your autumn years as you would like to because of the fact that, indeed, unfortunately, you didn't have the wherewithal to read a book such as this or to listen to a show such as this or to talk to someone uh, who has the same type of knowledge that's contained in uh, Shakti Gawain's book, or to be able to allow yourself to have the universe, to have the most high, to have the angel, the guardian, to speak to you so that indeed you would not be subjected to unnecessary pain and that you would be able to, in this lifetime, be on the journey of healing and being well. So... Uh, I'm just excited about, as my wife was saying earlier, uh, a few moments ago, uh, to be able to read this book. The more I reread it, and I'm almost reading as if this is the first time I've read it. Um, and I guess that has a lot to do with, with maturing and with uh, having clarity. You know, you, you go through this process, and that's why it's always encouraging. Uh, I'm sorry, not encouraging, but it's always good to be mindful when one does encourage you to read a book more than once. Uh, it's just like looking at a good movie. Uh, and I guess you can also say it's just like um, you're, you're having a friend. And the more you meet that friend, the more you visit each other, the more the friendship unfolds, the more it blossoms, the more it begins to flower. So anyway, we're about to come towards the end of this segment, except, and I want to thank you all for tuning in. Again, uh, if any of you would like to speak on the air for a moment, just to say hello, push the number one button. Any thoughts? Please feel free to share your thoughts. So I uh, look forward to continuing uh, uh, Living in the Light, the book by Shakti Gowan, next week. So be sure to tune in. And um, and I'm sure that it's going to be equally as exciting as this, as this evening's uh, episode uh, hopefully proved to be to you. So I end as I begin by giving thanks to the most. We give this evening to you, and may our thoughts stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness, dear Lord. May we not be tempted to stray from love, and as we begin this week, we open to receive you. Please enter where you already abide, and may our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this evening. We ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world, and may we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would have us be, direct our footsteps, 
and show us what you would have us do. Make the world a safer, more beautiful place, and bless all your creatures, and heal us all, dear Lord, that we the of being used by you. I thank you again. We are grateful. Namaste. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. One love. Peace, love, and abundant blessings to you all. God bless.